Welcome to Dayton Warcry Club. I am Warren, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Fred and Dave for part two of our massive list review. We couldn't get all of our analysis into one episode, so we've broken things into a second episode covering all the lists from the events leading up to Adepticon. Let's pick up where we left off with our lessons learned. We So we, we talked about dwarves. Let's go back to talking about underworlds. Hey, let's do it. So... Prior to the Adepticon, we had a couple tournaments that were like a, the Adepticon warm-up tournaments. One of them was Dan, who ran a Narwhal Expedition in Minneapolis-St. Paul. And uh, he took down his tournament with uh, with Calthea Zandire. So he ran Calthea, uh, you know, obviously fully legal now at uh, 210 points, an old guard ally, two annihilators with grand hammers, and three annihilators with shield. So this is, he called it uh, Calthea's, Calthea's Thick Boy Cardio, or Calthea's Teaching the Annihilator's Leg Day. I've, I'm, I've been calling these, these lists allies and annihilators. But uh, the point of the, is that you have these really super efficient three-move guys, and you're using tricks to kind of get them into place. And once they're in combat, then you don't really care so much about the, about the three movements. So using the best models you can, and then trying to take a, uh, trying to get around their their mobility disadvantage. So Kelthia having coordinated strike, the old guard Tempest Eye, still very useful to slingshot them into position. Warren, let me ask you a question. What what core philosophy is this list built around? Because... Uh, we're gonna use them. We can do another magic freaking. No, we are not. Here. Okay, it's... good. But to go back to the conversation we were just having, it's about getting activations out of your dice, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you spent, right, you're getting you're getting free activations out of coordinated strike. You're getting free activations by essentially getting free moves. Bonus movement out of the old, out of the old guard, yes. That's that's the takeaway. If you're, if you're looking to watch this video to learn how to build competitive lists, look for the common threads between the list, and that is a big one. A really big one. Find that value it worth the activations worth of value, and this list is just packed with it, right? Yeah. So a few other things. So Calthea, Calthea is great. Nutty model. Uh, she, she she's really so good. hot, so hot right now. Um, there's folks on Discord, and they're like, they're they're kind of shoehorning Calthea into everything though, like bringing her in in other Stormcast chamber lists where you need to have a you know your own hero to lead plus then Calthea. I mean, it's certainly good, but you really kind of have to have like the numbers to kind of make Calthea worth it. So I don't also, think she necessarily, she's, she's not like a universal ally that goes into every list, but like when build around her, obviously yes, very powerful. So coordinated strike gives you the best value when you are activating three annihilators. Yeah. Yes. And, and ideally three models. Yes. So it does have some list building restrictions to get. Now, is it always like pretty good? Yeah, but this list is exploiting it. This mm. list is getting maximum value out of that ability. And that's what makes it so effective. Yeah. And so and then one other thing that I noticed uh, about the Annihilators so I didn't I, I didn't play against this list exactly, but I did play against Justin during the narrative tournament, and he had brought another he had brought allies and annihilators for the uh, the narrative tournament. So I, I was going up against you know meteoric hammers and grand hammers, and I I got to I got to see how they felt face to face. Now a few things I thought going in. So I used to think so we got the the profiles down there right now. Um, the uh, with the with the hammer and shield at 130 points, I they have toughness seven, you know, three five three five damage profile, toughness seven, 20 wounds. And I used to think, why would you ever want the the meteoric hammer ones? The tough the extra point of toughness is wasted because like next to nothing has six six strength in the game. With it's one probably, important exception, well, chimeras, yeah, chimeras and annihilators with grain hammers, but it's. The toughness seven is going to be going to be very, very rarely useful. And I was very 
leery of having a one inch range model with with three movements. So I was like, why would you ever want to take them? Well, what I realized is that they're 15 points cheaper and that matters. If you're only taking the grain hammer ones, it becomes very hard to get seven models. And yes, remember yes. for this tournament, you know, or for for Rumble Pack missions, you your seven models is probably your floor at your absolute floor. And I think Salty was recommending like eight or eight or even nine on Rumble Pack missions. So the 130 points that that 15 point savings, that's a big deal there. Big deal. Uh, I would love to have more Grand Hammers with the with the two inch range at 145 points. Then also, if you look at the Grand Hammers, the strength six is good. And you might get some value out of strength six, but again, going from strength five to strength six, also you had some diminishing returns there too. Not as much as going from toughness six to toughness seven. No, but, but it matters. Sometimes you're going to be like, man, I'm glad I have this high strength. I'm trying to squash dwarves or whatever, but yep. you're right. Absolutely. And saving, shaving those points to fit more models in, it's still a very effective model. Yep. So anyone who's watching us or listening to us has probably seen uh, Salty's turn report from a, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, so this is our take on this list. Again, yeah, strong list. Points all line up uh, very well. So this is the second place list from Minneapolis uh, with from Emily Ott. And this is a really strange hybrid of Darko Savagers, uh, including the Godsworn Hunt. Uh, you have a Slaughterborn with the axe as a leader. He's a he's a big threat, big damage dealer. Uh, you have a Fury in there as a thrall. Uh, four Glory Seekers, three with a shield and one with a spear. And then you have four out of the six for Godsworn Hunt. You have the leader, Fedra. Um, you have Alo. You have Grawl and Jagathra. Uh, a thousand points total, nine models. What do you guys think about this one? It's definitely it's an interesting list. Um, the one thing that I know for sure, because I, I have these models, is that it is very uh, light on wounds and toughness, but has a lot of interesting tricks it can do. Yeah, it's um, it's it's what interests me about this is that uh, Dark Oath Savagers are not considered to be, uh, I would say the community consensus is they're not considered to be a highly competitive warband. Um, so to see them do well is really cool. Um, the models taken from Godsworn Hunt um, all kind of do some interesting things. Uh, Thedra was pretty much lauded as is or derided as as completely unplayable in 1.0, um, but she has a toughness reducing ability uh, debuff. Um, that if you're expecting a lot of toughness five dwarves or toughness six stormcast, uh, can let these kind of um, light to middleweight models um, kill them much more consistently. Yeah, I know Dan had mentioned in his report he was really scared of that ability. It's like an enfeeble or something like that. Yeah, it, it reduces the toughness, I believe, by by the value of a dice roll, which is like potentially a lot, um, something like that. Um, and then, uh, of course, Grawl. These, these are all some of these models bring really unique things, right? Thedra has that has that debuff. Um, Grawl is really fast, uh, glass cannony little piece. Jagarthra um, is quick, has range, and can throw her spear for a range attack. So, yeah, like like Dave was saying, this is um, no no true like archetypal hammer, but um, a lot of little tricksy quick models. Yeah, like nine models total, which is probably one of the biggest strengths. I was looking at it at first, and I was like, I don't know how Emily was winning with this, and she she played Dan first round, I think, and uh, and took him to a draw. The uh, Slaughterborn, if you all remember, I actually tried a little bit uh, as an ally, and it ha also has some really strong abilities. I believe it can, like, permanently increase its number of attacks uh, with one of its abilities. Yes, it can. Whenever it gets a kill, um, it can increase a stat by one for the rest of the battle, yeah. Which, um, you know, 
it's not unreasonable for it to start having five to six attacks. So, yeah, that was kind of the mechanic of of God's War and Hunt, right? Is like you build out the future, you can like build up more wild dice or build Darkos. up your stats. Yeah, of the- yeah, you yeah, you do predictions and that sort of thing for free wild yep. dice. Yep. So cool, cool list. Down okay. Okay, well, we talked a lot about dwarves last week, and we got a lot more dwarves to talk about this week. So here we got Fire Slayers at three and one. Eric Christensen. Okay, what's the number one that jumps out about this list? Eleven models. Yeah. Uh, He does that so by bringing the doom. He's got a doom seeker for the leader, so that's only one hundred thirty-five points. Uh, he's got the Annihilator Prime Old Guard combo since he had two ally slots available. So uh, he's got that for t- a total of 290 uh, is a fast moving hammer there. Uh, he's got like he's filling up points with a 95 point Hearthguard Berserker with a little bit of range. And he's got seven Chaff Berserkers, three of them with double axe and four of them with uh, with the uh, War Pick and Shield. Uh, the double axe ones are 70 points, and then the pick and shield ones are 65 points. Uh, both of them have 12, 12 wounds, but you're looking at four toughness four or toughness five uh, for those low point costs. So very hard to to kill chaff there. Yeah, the um, the Volker Berserker with shield is um, toughness five, 12 wounds, uh, two four one four uh, attack profile. Not going to do a ton of damage, but point for point, it, it's going to be able to camp objectives really, really well. Um, and the uh, pair of axe guys um, is that sheer volume of fire, right? It's like the spiders or skink spam or some of those lists that have a bunch of low damage models. Like four attacks is is a lot. You know, yep. a couple of guys yeah. add up, and you're going to roll crits. You know, so. Strength four as well, so it's not unreasonable. You're always going to be hitting on at least fours, maybe hitting on threes in some cases. Yeah, you're going to outduel a lot of other chaff with that attack profile, right? Like, you have that high strength and, the, and decent toughness and good amount of wounds. Like, these guys are actually going to outfight a lot of the other chaff models, um, which chaff that can fight chaff is kind of at a premium, right? Like, generally speaking, chaff isn't good at clearing other chaff. So, yeah, they're... They're kind of unassuming at first. I'm not going to lie, but uh, yeah, you mm-hmm. start digging into their 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 toughness and their wounds and the point cost, and you really start to see, okay, yep, this is another another predominantly move three swarm war band, and you can see why it did well. Someone is going to do really well with Nurgle mortals at some point, and they're going to prove to us that move three is just busted across the board. Right now, like the only move three faction that we haven't seen good results from is Nurgle Mortals. Like it's mm. just it's just I, a good way to play in 2.0. I, I think it's I think it's on the cusp. Atan's friend Charles has been he he's been playing it nonstop and I think there's something there, but I think it's just kind of on the cusp. Yeah. I, I, it would shock me. At this point it absolutely would not shock me to find out that there's a good list in there. Um it I'd is like yeah, whatever you have to figure out whatever the right ally is to yeah, right. to to unlock it, right? The Varen Guard is something, but it needs just something else, I think, to put it over the top, maybe. Yeah. The answer yeah. is always the Ogroid Marmadon. Bromoid <laughs> Crusher probably fits in there okay. I don't know about the points. Anyway, I don't want to get off topic, but yeah, move three uh models um tend to be pretty good. Um and uh these are pretty good ones. Um even for that, I, I really like the uh, shield guys quite a bit, and uh, the axe guys are no slouches either. Doomseeker is like fine, right? Five four two four attack profile. Yeah, twenty wounds, one thirty five. Yeah, it's it's for its point cost. That's pretty good. Yeah, if you, I, I'm certain to, I'm certain to respect shields a little bit more. Like you don't, as long as you're not asking them to deal any damage. If you just ask them to sit on an objective and not die, that's uh. Yeah, perfectly fine. That's yeah. and is a reasonable thing to do right now. Is to sit somewhere and not die is totally a valid role for a unit to have. So switching gears here, uh, 
So in Ashburn, Virginia, the Tabletop and Beyond crew uh, ran a tournament as well. So now we're back to Caradron Overlords. Another 11 model list here from Sam Cribs. Uh, he's got a Mizzen Master and a Company Captain for his sources of fight for profit. He's got two big guns, uh, Thunderers, and he chose a Fumigator and an Ether Cannon. Uh, and he's got a mix of Arcanauts. He's got four with pistol and three with a Sky Pike. Good stuff. Uh, this, this it, it meets... We talked uh, in the other episode about sort of what the, the basic framework we thought for KO, and that was like a flying guy, at least two sources of fight for profit, two big guns, and a lot of arc knots. And, and this, and we said, you know, there's probably a lot of different configurations that you can do in that general framework. And this is a great example. Like, this is very fundamentally very different from the what we were talking about before with like double Aether Cannon or Aether Cannon Mortar. Um, like the fumigator is, uh, uh, we were just talking about this, um, I think last week, it's a pretty good attack profile on that fumigator. Yeah. Like uh, by, just by itself. Yeah. Like it doesn't need fight for, it doesn't scale as well with fight for profit, but it doesn't need it either. You could put it in a deploy, one of the other deployment groups with, that doesn't have your fight for profit leader in it. And it's going to do just fine. Like at fighting chaff models, low toughness models, um the that's the six, yeah that's the six attack one right the sun yeah. sort of looks like the volley gun right and we were talking about the mortar being the three five one the other hard hitter that it doesn't need fight for profit really right exactly you get base three attacks with the mortar and it has long range too um so and the fumigator is shorter range but it's sort of like in with your pistol guys anyway so they, they you can keep them grouped up um and still get its value so, um, and obviously the big takeaway here is a lot of pikes. We talked about how pikes are probably a valid way to play this list. Yep. Uh, yeah, a reasonable, a, yeah, reasonable melee profile there. Yeah, very good melee profile. It's basically a grave guard um, for 75 points. Um, and grave guards are really good. And these guys are really good. The problem is... They don't synergize as well with your fight for profit. In other words, like your if your fight for profit is is up front with your pikes to, to pump your pikes up, then your pistol guys can't shoot into that combat, right? But if you stand back and shoot with fight for profit, your pikes are can't attack because then you can't shoot anymore. So so there's there's a little tension there, like to either go like full melee or full shooting to get maximum value out of your activation so you don't have a competing uh, strategy. But yeah. pikes are really good. You can send them off on another corner of the board to do their own thing and shoot at the other corner of the board, and it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. I, so I use this format for the lists, and I don't – capture the the dagger shield hammer decisions but oftentimes i do have access to those uh but yeah i'll kind of leave that as an exercise to the viewer or the reader to kind of figure out how you might kind of place things and, and the other thing to take away from this uh one the company captain i think is really good at 90 points it's just a source of fight for profit with a good shooting profile yeah, but no the mizzen master the mizzen master is the more melee focused leader over the uh, engine master with balloon suit. Um, the engine master is a better shooter. It's got like a two, five, I don't remember, but it's a decent shooting profile right. where the mizzen master is, has a, has a pistol, but is, is primarily a melee fighter. So this list does have that melee capability for sure. Yeah. A lot of folks online talking about Mizzen Master being like the, the standout all-star for KO. And like, if, if you're looking to ally in something from KO, the Mizzen Master with its fast movement, relatively cheap cost, it's a little glassy, but deals good melee damage and brings fight for profit. Like that yeah. package is a very good looking ally. People are realizing now. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt that it's a, a really cool model too. Yes, absolutely. I love the balloon dwarves. 
Um, so yeah, uh, again, I think this framework has, has a lot of ways to go. And this is a really good um, highlighted that you can play a split list, like take advantage of how good Arknots with pistols are and how good Arknots with sky pikes are. Like this, you can do both at the same time. And as long as you're careful with your de your deployment groups and how you play, you have to kind of plan the battle out ahead, I would think, where know where your pikes are going to end up and know where your shooting guys are going to end up so you don't waste activations trying to move across the board. But if you do all those things, I can see why this list was successful. So moving forward, so second place, we had a, we had a Chimera list. Uh, so this is Chimera, but in a Beast of Chaos shell. So a total of seven models. Uh, you had the Chimera, you had a Beast Lord, and then you had uh, five chaff models, a Gore with Shield, two Gores with Gore Blades, two Ungores with a Spear and Shield. A uh, thousand points, and then seven models total. Just for variety's sake, it's nice to see a Chimera list in a different shell besides uh, Nurgle. Although I, I, I do think that Nurgle is probably the superior shell. Yeah, uh, you know, you're looking at this and like your gores are fine. They're absolutely fine. There, there's nothing wrong with with a gore. Uh, the Beast Lord is basically a war queen, right? Um, Pretty close, yeah. The 5424. Yeah. Uh, a little quicker. A little quicker, a little glassier. Yeah. But, but it's going to play a similar role. Um, not an alpha level threat right it's toughness 5 22 wounds um yeah. means it, it can't like hold a position on its own or duel with a really heavy hitter but or um, actually yeah 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 it, it, it but it can definitely clear some chaff off an objective or duel another mid-range model very effectively and of course in this list the chimera is your plan a beast lord is not what i would call like a fully fledged plan b but Beast Lord and some gores isn't the worst thing to have next to, you know, available to you. I think yep. if you have a, a Chimera and five other models, that's probably going to be an, an okay list just about any amount of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. If, if, as long as you know how to how to play it and the terrain is, is too good to you, the Chimera is just so good that there's a pretty good chance in an average game it's, it's going to run away with the game. Um, but yeah, cool list. I love Beast of Chaos, and it's nice to see him do well. Finally, third place is Peter Mersencavage again, and this is the same list that he played at Adepticon. So this truly was his warm-up tournament. Bounder Boss, Orc Mega Boss, Bolt Boy Boss, Snurk, Prog, Two Nettas, and a Brew Git. So uh, yeah, we, we already kind of went into detail on this list in the previous episode, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just a reminder, the Bolt Boy boss is, is cool in its ability. Like, if you're worried about uh, Fight for Profit, a Bolt Boy boss can shoot, try to kill a company captain, for example, pretty effectively with its, um, with its ability to crit on force. Uh, it doesn't take that many to, to take down something that size, a buff lord size. So, um, cool list. Obviously, Peter knows how to play it and did well with it. Yeah, we've talked about this, and I think we had kind of a difference of opinion on this in terms of like, you know, is there value to playing the same thing and becoming a master of it, assuming you have like all these options? Because I think at this point, Peter has kind of become like the master of the of the gets list. He's he's found something now that works for him under the new 2.0 rules with the allies. Yeah. Um. There there's certainly something to be, to be said about getting as many reps in with the list as, as possible, I think. Yeah, it's, it's probably true. Um, I think Warcry as a game um, rewards good general Warcry skills, maybe more than it rewards specific reps with a specific list, but uh, it's uh, certainly not bad to have, but I think that mastery over the basics of the game is probably more important but um if you find a list that, that does well for you and you know it well that's certainly an edge yeah very true because i know we were talking last week about very specific deployment tactics and stuff like that you knowing all those little tricks oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, making sure that you know your deployment groups and why they're set up and that they're synergistic and et cetera, et cetera. That's certainly valuable. Absolutely. So fourth place, we got some Slanesh here. Uh, Javier Martinez. So he's got a couple slake horns. He's got a Slangor slake horn. And he's also bringing in Slake Slash from the Dread Pageants. Uh, he's got an Ogroid Myrmidon uh, to fill out his big guys. He's got a Raptorix as a thrall. And he's got four Bliss Brew Homunculus uh, for a total of 990 points and seven models. I'm sorry, this should be eight models. Slake Slash obviously is the um, was one of the standouts of the Underworld Warbands. Uh, just a really effective um, kind of assassin model. Does good damage and is fast. Um, really effective at, at getting to a point on the board and unloading a lot of damage. And having the Ogroid Myrmidon, like you have a lot of heavy hitters in this list. Like Slanger Slakehorns are, are are very good also, obviously. Yep. And their their move six makes them ideal for that slaves to impulse. Again, any double that gives you free actions, people are really starting to kind of understand the power of that now. So you yeah. have, you know, six inch moves to get into combat and then potentially double attacking with those profiles. Yeah, it it, it really go. I mean, obviously, like if you could take two slake slashes, maybe you would because because of the point cost is so much lower, but you can't. Uh, and slake horns are, are still very good. Slave to impulse is an insane ability for move six models. The homunculuses, obviously, those were added. They added, yeah, they added them in 2.0. So essentially, a crypt ghoul or planes runner profile, just super cheap. Move five, toughness three, eight wounds, three three one three. Don't expect much, but at 55 points, they're like ultra cheap. Yeah, they give you that um, activation padding for your your slake horns, your slake slash, and your Orgoid Myrmidon to pick their fights a little better by, you know, making your opponent activate. I think you get one homunculus per box of Blisper Archers. So either you have a big hammer army or you just really want those homunculuses. Probably kit bash them. Yeah, yeah. Probably can. Another uh, another thing that people overlook with the, the Myrmidon and I've talked about the Myrmidon until I'm blue in the face, but it also has a poke uh, for another free activation that I think people overlook uh, quite a bit because it has so many things it does and so many abilities. But it, it does also have a a take one damage to get a free attack of a, a friendly ally that it can oh, do, like, like a crack the whip sort of deal. Yes, it does. Yes, it's it's almost exactly like crack the whip, but it's a you know it's a spear poke. It's um yeah, getting stacking those activations absolutely get get the value, get those a bonus activation equity going. So the last two tournaments we ha we had those from Best Coast pairings, but we had a little bonus set of lists here from Stephen Colzer from uh, Kansas City. Um, he sent us these lists. So they had an Adepticon warm-up tournament as well the week before. And uh, here are those lists. So uh, Steven won it with uh, with uh, Ogre Maw Tribes. So you got a Butcher, you got an Iron Gut, you got a Yeti. You, you're allying in a Bolt Boy Boss, which is interesting. And you got three of the named Novelars from the different uh, Bladeborne Ward bands. So... Um... Love Ogre Maw Tribes. They were the first uh, warband that I ever put on the table for this game. And I was a big Ogre Kingdoms fan back in in early days of, of Warhammer um, fantasy battles. But uh, the big thing to take away from this, in my opinion, are a couple of things. One, uh, like Warren mentioned, the Bolt Boy boss as an ally. So the, the Bolt Boy boss is, is a really good, um, we talked about it earlier, good, really good ranged assassin. It can they can whittle down a group of chaff from a distance, uh, but I think it really excels when you're using it to uh, kill enemy buff lords like your company captains or, or things of that nature, your Tempest Eye allies um, from range. And now that they nerfed the Thunderfist, um, which was your your Ogre Maw Tribe, like you just machine gun down chaff, I think that the best option you have uh, left over 
uh, to you is the bolt boy boss to kind of fill that that role in destruction. Um, you mentioned you mentioned the yeah you mentioned the cost there right your your ogres are not as big as they could be and you're also for, kind of taking a yeti as well and you got seven models so you have yeah. four semi large models three three noblars so yeah that is kind of the cost of of getting that getting that uh, that uh, capability in your list right because like the lead belcher was your leader right you got to take that in your leader slot here you're taking a butcher and then bringing in the bolt boy boss the butcher is notable because um it has a million wounds um i'm not looking at it right now does it have 40 wounds 38 wounds it, it's got a lot of wounds. um more than than a lot of the other ogre lords do besides like the the tyrant but um has a decent attack profile too for 225 points but the big it what it really jumps off the page to me is that it's just so hard to kill for 225 points um iron gut and of course, the other big one uh, from the things we've been seeing recently is no Bruget in this list. Yeah, which could, maybe didn't quite have the points. You do. You could take. You could cut KG and add a Bruget. So that was a choice not to play it. Um, to have another like, sl you know, uh, what's it called? Noblar instead, you you could you could swap Kajia for a Bruget, and it's probably not a bad move. Um, but um, this list doesn't have the st isn't stacking the models to take advantage of it, right? The Iron Gut's good with it, but like no Gut Lord in the Butcher slot or anything like that. So the the Bruget's not like at its peak here. But um, yeah, cool list. I like nope. seeing people play around with that old template from 1.0 with uh, the lead belcher spam and finding the other things that ogres are good at. So this next one is one I'm really interested in. So second place, Jack Adkins with horns of Heshet. Um, yeah. So get the leader, the uh, ruminator, the ruinator with the flail. Uh, you got a fulmeroid crusher in there. You got two flamethrower dudes. You got a demolisher with a shield. And you got four shatterers. For a total of nine models, a thousand points. Good list. Really like the list. Fomori Crusher is great. Fomori uh, Crusher fits. It manages it for it being two sixty. It fits the points exactly to kind of get exactly everything you need. Because you know we were playing around with theme lists for for horns with a, you know, using something that counts as a shagoth or or something or a doom bowl, and. Unfortunately, it messes up the points, but 260 works with these models. Yeah, so the, the, the models that are fighting for that slot are the Fomora Crusher. The other big one is the Mindstealer Syranx, which is also 260, or a Dragon Over Shogoth, which is also 260. Of the three of those models, I think the Fomora Crusher brings the most of this list, which is just high strength, high damage melee attack which the list otherwise really does not have right your your flame hurlers can do a lot of work from a distance your shatterers are great uh 10 wounds and two inch range uh for 55 points is insane yeah we, we were just talking about the uh, the homunculus um or the uh the plays runner sort of 55 point chaff profiles yeah for these guys having 10 wounds you know, a little bit slower, but the extra in couple inches of range, the extra inch of range. Yeah, really strong. People are talking about shatters being broken. Uh, and I didn't think, I didn't think they looked, I, don't, I didn't think they were broken when they first came out. I was building horns list with zero shatters because I was like, well, these are not good. You know, these are not great. They'll, you know, I want my dudes with the sweet helmets. Yeah. And, and the, the ones that, um, the, the, really sexy model was the flame hurlers um i i think were the ones that, that high strength high crit damage range attack profile but it's, yeah they still are you know think of a meta where we have all of these swarm war bands the ceiling with a high triple the ceiling on on a flamethrower is very is like sky high yes and it's strength five so it's great at killing those dwarf 
high toughness models that we were talking about where they can spam these strength 512 wound models like demolishers are good at killing those um and shatterers have the same threat range as those homunculus you know with the extra minus one movement plus one range but like two more wounds and uh, more crit damage like what an insane model it's crazy well you can also like walk them up within an inch and a half and then someone else has to walk up a half inch to hit them if they have a one inch range that range is a nice little defensive addition as well you know in addition to the two wounds and, and you mentioned um the the demolisher with flame hurler triple uh which has a great name engulfing flames of dark artifice um really good it's it's similar to the cygor's ability like it's a lot close to range obviously but you want to be in that range to shoot them with your flamethrower anyway and you roll a number of dice equal to the value of the ability and for each four plus you do a three damage and then for each enemy within two inches of that fighter you get half of the value of the dice um that's a lot of damage. It's a lot yeah. of damage when you couple with you've already shot twice with your flamethrower and then you pop that. You're going to be able to really put a lot of hurt on those 8, 10, 12 traff uh, wound models more than, uh, you know, people are playing those 10 and 12 wound models because the 8 wound models were too easy to kill. But I think those flame hurlers do a pretty good job of putting 10 points out when they need to. Yep. On, if you happen to get a trip six, on average, it's going to deal, on average, they'll deal nine uh, to the main target and four and a half to everything else around it. But, the, you know, the ceiling, right, you could roll hot. Magical, if, in Magical Christmas Land, you could nuke a whole group. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool profile. Demolishers are, like, fine. They just fill the points that they just fills the point on this list, and you have to take a... Uh, Ruinator. So, um, yeah, really, really tight horns of a shut list. Really like it. So we talked a little earlier about the Gut Lord. Well, here's here's the Gut Lord list uh, with Iron Jaws. So super elite list. You got the group boss with Boss Choppa in Iron Jaws. You got two Gut Lords, and you got three Ard Boys with Choppa and Shield. So super elite list at six models, 990 points. Uh, you're not really expecting the Ard Boys to do much, you know, just get on an objective and don't die. And uh, you got three giant hammers that are doing your work for you. And the root boss the, also brings you messing um, if you need it. That's true. He can help kind of get around your your lack of numbers. Yeah, if you need an objective you know, this turn to try to get those last couple of points, the brute boss can can solo an objective with three, four, five chaff models on it by popping you messing and then living through the turn. So yeah, that's very useful. And of course your gut lords are gonna be able to um one shot a lot of models with that insane damage profile. They also have might makes right. So if they kill something they can get extra attack activation. So there's some ways in here to play bigger than six models, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned the abilities on the brute boss. Uh, the brutes also all get uh, duff up the big thing as well. Yes, good point. Just so, from a yeah. psychological standpoint, staring down two gut lords is, is terrifying if you're playing this. Yeah. Uh, I'm Speaking from experience, yes, I agree. <laughs> um yeah just an insane amount of damage um two inch range they also have um on the maw path which gives them plus three to movement activations for a double which means that um the big heavy hitters from ogres play much faster on the board than they look uh in the sense that this has a two inch range and can on demand move seven um that's like a um a uh Blood scale, what is the blood rack Medusa? That's basically yeah. a blood rack Medusa. Um, but it does three, six, five, ten. Like, it's not bad. 
Yeah, you have a few different movement options too, right? You have you can charge with a brute boss too. You know, your your first turn, if you're not fighting, you might probably aggressively just building doubles and just charging your guys in the combat. Yeah, this list is gonna want to use its dice correctly. I mean, only six models and the art boys are like, you know, art boys, not not super heavy hitters or anything, but mm-hmm surprising amount of depth to this list with when you use your abilities and and how all right so we got kansas city there we got kansas city down uh last up so i think this was back a little bit earlier i think february time frame we had norcry so uh krister is the uh, the to for that uh i believe so this is in norway and uh, we never got the official list, but I did ask him on Discord, and uh, we can kind of talk about them. We can reverse engineer at least two of the lists here. But uh, this brings up a you know back to the dwarves theme that we have going on the last couple of weeks here. Um, you know, talking about like what dwarves are the best and the best use for them, and how you go about building lists. So, so he says the first place list was a warden king. Uh, a teleport tree, that's our tree revenant scion, an annihilator prime, and fill it out with hammers. Again, we don't have the exact list here. We'll leave that as an exercise for the viewer. But uh, uh, so, yeah, you probably put in the annihilator prime and the warden king together to move him around the board. And uh, you don't have a lot of other damage other than annihilator prime. So, there, your pick for the dwarf is going to be those 80 point hammers. It's sort of. Um, Similar profile, actually almost the exact same profile as the KO uh, Arcanauts with the Sky Pikes, I believe. Maybe a yes. little different. Not, not quite, but. But, um, yeah, you said to try to get damage. If you if you look at these guys for 80 points, you can take several of them. They can put out a good amount of damage. Uh, so they, they shore up, like you said. They, there's no real safe deployment group to pick a fight with in this list. Like, you want to stay away from the Annihilator Prime, but, like, you also can't get swarmed by Hammerers. So right. it's really hard to, like, pick a fight uh, against this list. And Hammerers, of course, have 12 wounds. Um, they have high crit damage. You could really get yourself in a lot of trouble if you let yourself get in range of too many of those. But if you dance around them too much, then your opponent's going to get the opportunity to steal objectives with your teleporting guy or pop uh, your Warden King triple to get that Annie Prime across the board out of nowhere and really do some damage. So you, it's really, I imagine, a very tough list to play against. Yeah, I'm doing the math in my head. I think it's something on the order of like seven hammers for a total of 10 models, give or take. So yeah, a very reasonable number of hammers. I'm a, um, also a big fan of the, the spiciness of the teleport, teleport tree. Uh, allied in because there's if you've never played a, an objective or treasure based uh, mission against one uh, they're very frustrating and I really like the idea of uh, you know sending in your hammers and your annihilator these sort of big slow moving clog them up but then just teleporting the tree all around the board and collecting things yeah, yeah. I think I think the tree's still good. You're seeing a little bit less of the tree now just because folks are like focusing more on the Tempest Eye ally and just trying to keep their their model counts up. But it is it is still a very useful trick, I agree. Uh we'll skip down to the third place list. So you have two different types of dwarves. One's a damage dealing dwarf at 80 points, the other one is a super tanky cheap dwarf at 60 points, the iron breaker. So he's got uh, toughness five, 12 wounds, and just the the average chaff profile three three one three. And so the list here is a Rune Lord Medusa, Bloodrack Medusa that is, a Killian King, and you got five Iron Breakers. So this list, uh, you're really just you know your Iron Breakers are just there to just be activations and not die, and you have two very mobile hammers that are doing your work in this list. So if you're, if you get that cities of Sigmar, uh, AOS box, that has all the dwarves in it. You can build both. You can build all of these. And so these would be probably where you would start building hammers and iron breakers going with the extreme. 
combat ones and the extreme tanky ones. So to jump in, that's the um, the box you want for that is the um, regiments of renown. Okay, uh, yeah. The new yep. regiment of renown box comes with a lord and a bunch of dwarves that you can build into basically any um, dispossessed like cities of Sigmar dwarf. So yeah, it's got a million different build options in the box. I picked one up. It's a great box because otherwise these dwarves can be kind of hard to find. So great box full of really competitive models. Uh, like you said, you know, not only do you have the Rune Lord to move your Iron Breakers around, but Bloodrack Medusa moves seven, has a two-inch range, and the Achillean King moves ten, flies, and has the Relentless Killer's ability from Varengard, the Storm of Blows, so can move and then functionally double attack. So a lot of mobility mm -hmm. in this list. And then, like, if you're trying to counter that, then the Iron Breakers are just, like, setting up on the objectives, and it's going to be really hard to shift them in time if you get behind on that. you got to start killing them, like, turn one if you're going to clear enough of them off the board with those high wounds and high toughness. Yeah, and then the, the final list here is the second place list, and we don't have any more information here, but he says it's Star Soul Mace Spam plus two Tempest Eye allies. So, again, the stars, the Paladins with the Star Soul Mace, even scarier than Annihilators uh, with a 4-8 uh, damage profile, two Tempest Eye allies. I was trying to brainstorm to see exactly, you know, what you can get out of two allies and how many star soul maces and who you have as a leader. I couldn't quite figure it out. Maybe as an exercise for the viewers in the comments, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not going to be a ton. No matter how you squeeze those numbers, <laughs> paladins with star soul maces are expensive. But yeah. my goodness gracious, they do so much damage. I mean, like, it's like playing a bunch of like rat ogres or a bunch of like tyrants. Like these are some really scary melee units, and you just take a bunch of them. Like you just pack the list full of them and just kill everything. Yep. So again, all three of these. Like, go ahead. I was going to say vulnerable to things like Thedra Skullscryer. If you expect this list in your meta. Like those paladins, if you debuff one and kill it, that's a fair amount of your opponent's warband you just took out. And, you know, there's definitely ways to exploit low number, high toughness armies. But um, if you're not ready for it, it it's going to do a lot of damage. Yeah. The one thing I learned is that regardless of your toughness, crits don't care. <laughs> you could get oh. you get crit down, you just spike down, just through unlucky die rolls sometimes but uh yeah that co comes with the territory i said it just happens to the best of us yeah worth noting all three of these lists built around movement three models yep in different ways right like obviously there's a big difference between iron breakers and paladins but yeah the you are min maxing by getting these models that are priced so cheaply because their movement is low that all their points are going into survivability or combat stats um and just once they get where they're going the fact that your opponent played paid more for movement puts them at a disadvantage like once you're fighting and not moving your guys are going to be point for point better fighters than theirs and really leveraging that yep you know what else just came to mind as well so in all these lists we looked at last week and this week you know what we haven't seen? What's that? Chaos? Soulblade Gravelords. It's uh, true. The, boogie, the boogeyman, right? Everyone's afraid. Oh, yeah, Graveguard spam. Uh, people are finding other ways to to break the game other than spamming Graveguard, it looks like. Yeah, that's a very good point. I wonder if it's underrepresented or just underperforming. Um, I haven't taken my there's so many lists or if people are experimenting and we haven't decided on the best list yet there's it's a very deep faction but you're right um we, we don't have any lists from warhammer world um if i dug into those uh i i sort of let off meta musings do more of that coverage but if we dug into those we're gonna see 
a handful of skeleton spam lists and, and that sort of thing. The thing that's got me really excited about those lists is the ability to bring in the Eskurgan exemplar and just have a real, a good, quick, really hard hitting hammer to back up. Because I think like one of the, the weak points of Soulbreak Grave Lords is its leaders. Not that they're bad, but you don't have like a real heavy hitter option to go get. And uh, the Skurgan Exemplar as an ally is is a pretty good option there. So uh, obviously, I still think the faction is really good, but you know maybe it just gets out competed by things like Ironbreakers. Who knows? Or Arc Not Pistol Spam. Like I wouldn't want to be move, an army of movement three low wound models up against a million pistol shots. Well, I know what Adepticon. I don't think. If you look at the overall representation, I'm not sh- sure we had a lot of Soul Black Grave Lords players playing at Adepticon. I'd have to dig into that. Yeah, I, I, I'd be interested in seeing that. But, you know, it, it, it's possible that the way the meta is developed is just somewhat hostile to it. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody, well, let me rephrase. I certainly didn't look at 2.0 and say, oh, my goodness, dwarves are going to dominate the meta, you know? Like, that was not on my radar. I was thinking Graveguard and, and things of that nature, but, like, dwarves are pretty good. So maybe maybe that we underestimated them. Well, all right, then. So finally, we have our usual show closing, the upcoming events. So uh, this one, well, if you're by the time you're watching this, uh, this next one is past because tomorrow uh, we're going to be at Epic Loot. From uh, noon till six, we're going to go do Rumble Pack missions. So that'll be in the past by the time uh, everybody is watching this or listening to this. But then the next one we have for sure on the books after that is going to be uh, we'll be back at Mavericks on Saturday, May 6th. Uh, we'll be there from 12 to five. Uh, my brother's in town for that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be uh, playing there in the afternoon. You're in the if you're in the area, it'll there will be. You don't have to worry about showing up and there won't be games like there'll be b- games, boards, models, terrain like it's not going to be a waste of a trip if you want to play Warcry. Yeah, as a group, we, we really try to pride ourselves on uh, the ease of which we can integrate new people in. We, we always have multiple boards. We always try to have two to three uh, warbands with us. Uh, Things we can loan out. We're happy to loan out. We're happy to teach. Uh, most of us, I can't, I won't speak for everybody, but I think for the most part, you know, we're we're very welcoming to new people. We'd love to see anybody come out. Uh, we'll do our best to get you set up. And then the other thing we'll be doing is uh, I'll set up another date at Epic Loot, probably sometime in May as well. So again, going back to our our usual tempo of uh, at least once a month at Epic Loot, and then hopefully get up to once a month at Mavericks as well. That's the dream. This brings us to a close for this episode of Dayton Warcry Club. I can't say exactly when we'll be back, but as long as there are events locally and across the world, we'll keep covering them. Until next time, I'm War Machine. I'm C Forever. And we also just lost Fred Shred. But thanks for listening. <laughs>